and he had never walked, and they set him down there by the temple gate. And as Peter and John went in, and this is after Jesus had risen from the dead and was sitting at the right hand of the Father, as they were coming in, they, they healed the lame man. And he was able to get up, and he was able to walk around and praise God. So today what I want us to do is look at this story a little bit deeper. We're going to look at, at it from three different perspectives. And so everyone, when you came in, you should have gotten one of those insiders. And on the back of that are some blanks, three blanks. If you want to write the word in, it will help you remember what we're talking about. So the first line there is the word two, two disciples, one, two. Two disciples, Peter and John. We don't know why, but the disciples seemed to go two by two. Yeah, we do know why, because Jesus told them to go two by two. So it was Peter and John, and the interesting, the interesting thing about Peter and John is they were so opposite, kind of like this action figure and the doll baby. They're just opposites. They don't go together. They don't play together. I mean, the girls play with a dolly, and the guys play with the action figure. They're not the same. They don't go together. Peter and John didn't go together. Peter was the outspoken, the loudmouth, the representative. He was quick to speak on behalf of, uh, of God. He would speak right out. Sometimes he would speak too quick. And because he spoke too quick, he got himself in trouble. Anybody else ever do that? I do it all the time, get myself in trouble because I spoke too quick. I just need to stop, slow down and think. But John, on the other hand, he was the quiet one. He didn't, he didn't make a lot of commotion. He was calling the church little children, children of God. He was talking about how we need to love one another. John and Peter were just different. They weren't the same. So, notice this about Peter and John as they went into the temple to pray. Notice that. They went to the temple to pray. They didn't go to temple. They went to the temple to pray. We often talk about going to church. Well, this is Sunday. We've got to go to church. What does that mean? Go to church. We are the church. So sometimes I think we forget what our purpose is. We come to this place together to pray, to talk to God, allow God to talk to us, to interact with the brothers and sisters that are in the body of Christ. We, 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 use our, we exercise our gifts to touch other people's lives, so we give out. We, we don't go to church as if that's the end goal, church attendance. We go there to do something, to gain something, to participate. So they went there to pray. This was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, if I ask for everybody to come to a prayer meeting next Tuesday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I don't think there'd be many people show up. Because we have busy schedules. We have things to do. We're doing this. We're doing that. So it was a select group of people that came at 3 in the afternoon. It was people that had a heart for God. It was people that were passionate about God. And they wanted to be with people like that. Now, Peter and John knew Jesus, but everybody else didn't. 
So Peter and John had this, this desire, this passion to communicate the good news. They wanted to tell people what Jesus had, did, had, had done. They wanted to talk about the resurrection. They wanted to talk about what Jesus is doing in people's lives today. But they, had, it was, they felt powerless to do that in the temple because of the, of the Pharisees and so many people that refused to believe in Jesus. They felt powerless. But when you are powerless, Jesus you. oh, you forgot already. When we feel powerless, Jesus, Jesus rescues. Good. So why do we pray? Why do we need to pray? Let's let the pastor do the praying. Why do we have to do it? We have to do it because we deal with temptation all the time. And the Lord's Prayer says we need to pray and say, lead us not into temptation. Because it's the, that, that's, it's the natural default position for me to be tempted. I've got to clean my mind up. I've got to purify myself. I have to focus on God. And prayer helps me focus on God. Prayer isn't just asking for God to do things for me. Prayer is communicating with Him and allowing Him to speak to me. So every now and then I just have to shut up. I have to be quiet. I have to quit talking to God and be still and listen to him speak back to me. And he does. He communicates with us. That's, what the, that's why the spirit lives inside of us. So Peter and John went two by two. Jesus had told them to go two by two. They're not the same. They're opposites. So they, their diversity adds a little bit of strength to them. I've noticed that about marriage. My wife just isn't like me. She doesn't think like me. She's just different, and I don't think like her. But at, we're in partnership, and I have to understand I need to let her be her, and she needs to let me be me, and then we complement and we encourage one another in that process. And when I'm weak, she's strong, and vice versa. Prayer is important because it gets our heart ready to receive from God. It's a, it's a protection tool against the temptation that, I, that you and I have to deal with all the time. When I was brand new in my faith, uh, I, was a, I was discipled by a couple of other Christians uh, that, uh, that we, we worked together, had a relationship together. And as I... What we would do, I worked second shift. Two of us worked second shift. We got off work just before midnight. And we would go to churches and pray. I didn't know anything about prayer, so I just kind of followed what they did. I followed their lead, their example. Back in those days, churches didn't lock their doors. The doors were open, so anybody could come in anytime they wanted to and have a conversation with God. Can't do that anymore because it's a different world, you know. But back then, we would go to these churches, and we'd bring candles so we wouldn't have to run up the electric bill, and we'd set up some candles. We'd go in the sanctuary of these churches, two or three of them we went to, and we would pray till like two and three in the morning. We were calling on the name of the Lord. We were asking God to lead us and guide us. And as I look back on that now that I'm this age, I look back on that, and I see God was preparing my heart, and he was preparing their hearts because all three of us are in full-time ministry today 
that we weren't then. You see, God just did a work of renewal. He, he, he turned us upside down and gave us a heart and a passion for God during that brief season. Now, I can't stay awake till 2 and 3 in the morning anymore, but back then it was a passionate thing for me. I remember uh, a couple of years ago I went to a viewing for somebody that had passed away, and, um, and it was an older lady, and we went and uh, we chatted with the family and reminisced a little bit. And then another little old lady about her age came up to me and introduced herself, and it was somebody from my hometown. Uh, and I didn't recognize her, but I did once she told me. And she said, you know, we prayed for you. And I said, when was that? And she says, when we saw that you were having a little trouble in your life and you were a little mixed up, and we prayed for you. And now, then I became a Christian out of the darkness I was in. Could it be that I'm a Christian today, today because two little old ladies got together and prayed for me? When I looked like I had no hope, if God did it back then, I believe he can do it again. Maybe we need some more little old ladies and young ladies to be praying for people who look hopeless so that God can intervene in their life. If God, if God moves an answer to prayer, I think we need to be praying a little more. We need to be pressing in and exercising that. So two disciples, that's the first thing I want us to see. Here's the second thing, point number two. I want us to look at the crippled beggar. This beggar who was crippled. This beggar who could not function, couldn't go to work, couldn't take care of himself, needed somebody to help him all the time. And some of his friends brought him to the golden gate. My version says the beautiful gate. And they set him there by that gate. wonder why they set him there. Because they knew the only way he could survive, he'd make a living, is to beg for money. So they knew where to put him. Put him where the traffic flow is going, where there's lots of people coming and going. That's where you put him. And they knew when to put him there. Three o'clock in the afternoon. Because only serious people who had the heart of God would be coming to the temple at three in the afternoon people with a generous heart, people who want to help the down and outers, people who have an attitude of mercy, they're the ones that are going to be coming through this gate. So they set him right there. And who comes along but Peter and John, the Lord's disciples, who if anything, they've learned about discipleship. They've learned about helping the poor. They've learned about uh, uh, reaching out to the needy because Jesus did that all the time. It says he was crippled from birth. He was born that way. So he didn't have an accident. He didn't do something dumb that caused this problem. He was born this way. And I think that little detail is included in the, our story to help us understand that he's talking about something more than one man's crippled handicap. He's talking about the handicap we all have that we were born with, this problem called sin nature. We were born crippled. We were born crippled in several ways because of this sin nature. But God understood we were crippled, so he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to identify with us and our sin. 
so that he could then pay for our sin by dying. He who had no sin paid the price for those that did. He's our redeemer. So when we are powerless, Jesus rescues. That's the whole gospel message. That's the good news. So we all have this this crippled thing going on inside of us. Some of us are crippled financially. We had always hoped we would, at this point in life, we'd have a whole lot more than we do. We were hoping for better opportunities. We were hoping for better jobs. We were hoping for life to be different. But now we look at it and it is what it is and we feel a little bit crippled. Well, the good news is when I'm crippled, Jesus rescues me. Some of us may not be crippled financially, but we're crippled emotionally. You know, it's pretty hard on a kid, and some of us in this room, we're in this place. It's pretty hard on a kid when you watch your mom and dad, the most stable security you can get your eyes on, split up and fight and quarrel and end up going different directions. And if we're not careful, that can cripple us emotionally, and we're afraid to trust anybody in the future. We're afraid to trust anybody else. We can be crippled emotionally, but we're all crippled spiritually. And the only way to get beyond being spiritually crippled is to make a connection with Jesus Christ. He's the way to the Father, the only way to the Father. We're never going to understand God. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but everybody believes in God. Did you know that? There's people out there that are say they're, that they're agnostics, which simply means we don't know. And then there are people who say they're atheists, which means no God. They believe there is no God. But everybody, when they're in deep, deep trouble, pray. Oh God, if you're out there, help me. Who are they talking to if they don't believe in God? You see, it's inherent. It's down inside of all of us to believe in a higher power, a supreme being. There's, so, there's something bigger than we are. But nobody knows we're crippled because we don't know how to connect with him. And that's where Jesus comes in. Because if you can look at Jesus, you can see the Father. You can see God. He is the representation of God on planet Earth, and he can bring that healing. The, uh, the word translated golden gate or beautiful gate, I did some, I thought beautiful and golden, they're, they're similar, but I want to know what's the original word mean there. So I looked that up, and what it means surprised me because it literally means ripe, like a ripe banana or a ripe tomato. You can eat a banana when it's green. You can eat a tomato when it's green. But isn't it so much better when it's ripe? But if you wait just a little bit too long, it's not good anymore. It's beyond ripe. So I think this term is used. It tells us exactly where this man met with Peter and John because it was a ripe moment. It has to do with timing. You and I, if we want to be servants of God, we have to pay attention to the timing. Sometimes it's not the right time. Sometimes we have to set things up if we're going to talk to somebody about their faith. Sometimes you build relationships with them. I'll get to that in a moment. So it was a ripe gate, a ripe moment. It was just the right time in this story for him to be healed. 
And notice that the, the crippled man, the beggar, notice where his faith was. He's asking for money. He's not asking for God. He doesn't know that God cares about him. He doesn't know that God has a plan for him. He doesn't know that God can do anything in his life. He just doesn't know. Who's going to tell him? In this case, it's Peter and John. But who's going to tell them today in the 21st century? It's got to be people like us. Amen. We've got to be giving some good news to people. Amen. The point I want us to see is the man who received healing had zero faith. What he wanted was money. He didn't want God. And God's is the key to his success in life. But he doesn't know that. Which brings us to the third part of the story, and that is that phrase, same power. Same power. I want us to read it again from Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 in, in context. Paul says, I want you to know about the great and mighty power that God has for us followers. It is the same wonderful power he used when he raised Christ from death and let him sit at the, his right side in heaven. The same power. Let's get a hold of this. The same power lived in Peter and John. The same power lives in you and me, us individually. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead and called him up to ascend into heaven and sit at the right hand of the Father. The same power is inside of us. Let's not forget that or we won't accomplish what God's called us to do as believers. Now, the first thing I want us to see, there's three, three sub-points under this I want us to see on how they, how they brought healing in the man's life. First thing is they went up to the man and they said, look on us. Look at us. Look, look right here. Eye contact. That's what he did. That has to do with relationship. If you talk to a stranger, they're going to expect you as a stranger. And I don't know about you, but I don't trust strangers. It takes me a while to warm up to people. I want to, I want to have a relationship with people. And it takes a little while to build a relationship. But he said, look at us. Look at us. Let's make eye contact. I want you to know we care about you. Relationship. Here's the, the second step in the same power ministering healing to him, and that is what I call social action. Now, in most full gospel churches like ours, we believe the Holy Spirit moves and empowers us. We don't, we don't talk a whole lot about social action. Our emphasis is, is on faith. We need to believe. We need to see God do greater things. We're not involved in social action. But as I go back and read the Bible, I see Jesus was involved in social action all the time. He was always trying to see where is something unfair here? Where is somebody getting the short end of the stick, the raw deal? And he was always stepping in to, for those people and lifting them up again. That's social action. We need to get involved in the world around us. What Peter and John did when they went up to the crippled man, they said to him, silver and gold, we don't have. It just kind of takes the man's hope away, right? We don't have any money. We're broke. We're as poor as you are. But then they reached down, they took him by the hand, and they helped him up. 
That's the social action. Helping somebody else get from their low point up to where God can bless them. That's social action. Getting involved in someone's life. It's like the story of the prodigal son. A man was beaten, robbed, left half dead in the ditch. And the priest comes by, and he's got a, an appointment. He's got to hustle on down the road. And then the Levite comes past and does the same thing. They see him there, but they just walk right on. But when the good Samaritan got there, he got off his donkey. He got down in the ditch with the guy. He nursed him to health. He carried him up, put him on his own donkey, took the donkey and the man down to the nearest inn. They got a room for him. They nursed him to health. And then the good Samaritan paid the bill telling the innkeeper to take care of him. And he would pay anything else it cost. He would pay it. He paid the bill in full. Isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus was the good Samaritan who came to identify with us and pay the price for us so that he could rescue us. This is social action, to take someone by the hand and lift them up. This is what the church should be doing if we want to see healing in someone's life. And then the third part is the, the miracle of God's power. It wasn't just their power, it was the miracle of God's power. Peter and John couldn't do that themselves. So I, I brought a flashlight to illustrate power. Everybody see the light? Oh. <laughs> Didn't have power. Needs to have power. Switching it off is powerless. It's powerless so it doesn't function. It doesn't work. It just looks like a flashlight, but it doesn't work like a flashlight. When we turn the power on, now we've got, now it's functioning, now it's working. You and I need to tap into the power that's, that's, that's God. The same power that raised him from the dead healed that crippled man. The same power that healed the crippled man still heals today. It's the same power. We don't have a second-rate power. It's not like a, a battery that ran down over 2,000 years, and now we got just a little bit of power. It's not like that. It's the same power. The thing of it is, we still have it switched off. We need to switch it on. We need to let that power work through us. Now, I don't know if you knew this. Yeah, you knew it. Our world is getting colder and colder to the things of God. If you don't believe that, go to somebody you work with, somebody you relate to, and ask them, what do they, what do they see the moral condition in America 20 years from now? What, what, do they, what do they see the trend? Ask them what they expect the economy to be like 20 years from now. And listen to what they say. Gloom, despair, misery on me. I mean, people are hopeless. They don't see things getting better. They see them getting worse. How safe is it going to be to put your kids in school 20 years from now? How safe? You know, we look at the world condition and we get in despair. The antidote for despair is hope. And hope comes through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. He's the, only, he's the hope of the world. And so 
the key to evangelism in the 21st century isn't to go and show them a Bible. And it's not to invite people to church because they're going to say, church, that's the last place I want to go. Just, I feel bad enough already about my life. I don't want to go and have all this guilt heaped on me. The key is God loves you. He wants to touch your life. Is something going on in your life that I could pray with you about? That's the key. Because God has given us the same power inside of us so that we could transport it into some other life, so that we give it away. So how, how, do, how do we turn the key? If, if it's, it's prayer. And we need to ask somebody, try this. Try this at a restaurant. Try this with a clerk in a store, if they're not real busy. And just say, we're going to pray here in just a minute. Is there something going on in your life that we could pray with you about? Watch how they react to you. At first, they're going to try to get away. And then I'd be surprised if they don't come back and give you a prayer request. Because you just planted a seed in their mind. You just gave them hope. Is there something we could pray with you about? Now, this only works if we believe God answers prayer. Amen? Amen. So we have to believe it. We have to encourage ourselves and remind ourselves the same power lives inside of us. It came from God. Amen? Amen? Let's stand together. Now, that power is a gift. And if, uh, if, if somebody gives me a gift on my birthday, I'm going to receive it, right? I'm going to put my hands out. I'm going to receive that gift, even if I don't like that tie they gave me. I'm going to receive it. Can you receive this power from God? Would you put your hands out like this, like you're receiving something from God? I want to pray for us. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus is God come in the flesh. And that he promised to send another comforter. And when he left to sit at the right hand of the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to empower us. The same power that raised him from the dead is inside of us. Father, help us to see that power and exercise that power. Father, we're holding our hands out because we want to receive it as a gift that comes from you. We feel powerless in this world to make a difference. But Father, give us that power. And we'll be careful to use it in a way that honors you. So we're receiving the power. Give us, set us up with the opportunity to ask someone if we can pray for them. And then, Father, when they give us that need, help us to pray like we believe it and see and answer. And that's what will turn their heart around. That's what will convince them that you are real. Father, allow this to work through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God is good. I'm going to ask the, uh, the workers for VBS to come back up. We're going to sing that song we sang.